Good morning. Welcome everyone to the Archdale Church of Christ in Charlotte, North Carolina. Today is May the 10th in the year of our Lord 2020. My name is Russ McCullough. This is our 9 a.m. Bible study hour and we are proceeding through our friend's book, uh, Brother Chesser. And Brother Chesser is really an outstanding brother, and he has written this book called The Portrait of God. And The Portrait of God is all about God's redemptive history through the Bible. And so we're looking at how his perspective is biblical and interesting and very important for us is how God has worked from Genesis through Revelation to redeem mankind uh, to himself. And today, specifically, we want to look at uh, David and his relationship to God and how God worked through him in the redemptive story. And so before we begin, let us go to God in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we are indeed so thankful this beautiful day, this beautiful Lord's Day. We thank you, Lord, for the bright sunshine. And we thank, <coughs> thank you, Lord, that um, as far as we can tell, the, the frost uh, did not destroy any crops. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would continue to bless the, the crops of the farmers and may we be thankful for the efforts that they put forth. Our most uh, kind Father, we uh, acknowledge our circumstances and pray for your most kind blessings upon us as we uh, struggle through difficulties of circumstances that are unique, at least in our lifetimes. We thank you, Lord, for the Church of Christ, and we pray, Lord, that we may soon be reassembled. Father, we are grateful for your word and grateful for your redemption. Bless all those, Lord, within the sound of my voice that are in need of thy loving care for whatever reason. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, we want to uh, look at um, some aspects of David's life as he became king. Last time we talked about how Saul rejected God and as a result lost the kingdom. The entire kingdom was taken away from him as a result. And as the Bible said, given to his friend, David. And when David ascended the throne... He had an extreme, difficult situation to deal with. The nation was involved in a civil war that lasted seven years uh, between uh, the forces that wanted David to be king and the forces that did not. And after the seven years, David did ascend to the throne. David ruled for 40 years and 
seven of those 40 were in the field of civil war. But David, very early on in his reign, after he established Jerusalem as his capital, he learned uh, three lessons that Brother Chesser points out. He learned about the, the nature of God. He learned about the sovereignty of God. And he learned about the absolute authority of God. Three lessons that he learned. Uh, and we have to uh, not be too hard on David as he was a young shepherd boy who became a warrior, who became a fugitive, who became a rival, uh, who became one who was sought to be killed. And now he's finished seven years of civil war. Uh, you can imagine uh, the things that are going through his mind as he becomes the singular king of Israel. And uh, <clears throat> we wanted to uh, look at uh, two examples that happened to David that taught him about the nature of God, the sovereignty of God, and the absolute authority of God, lessons that we must learn today. And thank God he's left us this, this record of David's struggle so that we can learn from his example and be uh, encouraged and exhorted to do uh, God's will without having to go through the struggles that, that David did in these two situations. <clears throat> the first example of how David learned these three thring, things uh, are found in Second <clears throat> Samuel 6, 1 to 11. So if you'll uh, turn in your Bibles to Second Samuel 6, 1 to 11, and we want to read that passage and then uh, we'll, we'll make some observations. This is the first example of two. 2 Samuel 6. I want to read verses 1 through 11. This is the first example of how God taught David about his nature, about his sovereignty, and about his authority. So as we <clears throat> go through this lesson today, think of these three things, God's nature, God's sovereignty, and God's authority. Second Samuel 6, 1-11. And David <clears throat> gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him, from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadah drove the new cart, 
and they brought it out of the house of Abinadah, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio uh, went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. And when <clears throat> they had come to Nacon's uh, threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the place Perez Uzzah to this day. <clears throat> David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the, the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. I wanted to uh, make <clears throat> this observation that uh, there are two ways to displease God. There's more, of course, but in terms of adding and subtracting from his word, God's word is very plain in the beginning, in the middle of the Bible, in the very end, in Revelation, uh, Jesus says that we are neither add to nor take away from the word. And in this case, what is David doing here? He's taking away from the word of God because the law of Moses was very, very specific regarding how the ark would be moved. And it was not to be moved in an ox cart. And it certainly was not to be moved by anyone who was not uh, a specific person in the tribe of Levi, the family <clears throat> of, I think, Korah. I can't remember exactly the name of the, the family. It was a specific family. And these priests were the only ones that were allowed to move the ark. And it cannot be moved except by uh, shafts that would be put through uh, hooks on the ark. Because uh, no man could actually touch the ark. And uh, David uh, took away from God's word. He presumed that he could move it uh, in another way. Now, why did he presume this? The answer is... Uh, told to us, if you'll turn again uh, to First uh, <clears throat> Chronicles 15. First Chronicles 15. And uh, we see exactly what 
uh, David's mindset was or wasn't in this regard. It's very, very scary. He had a scary mindset that caused him to sin by taking away from God's word. First uh, Chronicles fifteen eleven to 13. And David called for Zadok and Abiathar the priest, and for the Levites, for Uriel, Asiah, Joel, Shemaniah, Eliel, and Amenabdah, and said to them, You are the heads of the fathers, houses of the Levites. Sanctify yourselves, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord broke out against us, because we did not consult him about the proper order. Why did, why in the world did David add to God's word or take away from God's word in this regard? Well, this Chronicles passage says, he didn't consult God. He did not consult God. And this is uh, a terrible thing <clears throat> to do in matters of faith. Uh, when we presume to do whatever we want to do without consulting God, very often we'll be taking away from God's word and be guilty of what David was guilty of. And it had um, terrible ramifications because a man died. Uzzah died because David did not consult the Lord in regards to the moving of the ark, which had very specific instructions in the law of Moses. He disregarded God. He disregarded the word. And as a result, some, a man died. Apparently, a man of, uh, of good intentions he just wanted to keep the ark of God from crashing to the ground. That's all he was doing. And yet, since no man could touch the ark and live, Uzzah died. And Uzzah died because David did not consult God. There are terrible ramifications when we proceed in matters of faith and practice without consulting God's word. And this is here to illustrate that truth to us. Now, what did David actually do by not consulting God? Well, he substituted staves and shoulders. What are staves and shoulders? Well, the stave is the wooden stake that goes through the, the hooks of the Ark of the Covenant, and the shoulders are the shoulders of the priest that carry the ark. He substituted, substituted, and we see many examples, sadly, in our day and time, where men substitute their own thoughts and opinions and ideas for the precepts of God that are found in the scripture. And David substituted staves and shoulders for this particular thing. He substituted staves and shoulders for oxen and carts.
He traded the truth for a lie. He traded life for death. And he traded faith and practice for his own opinions. This, um, we had talked about this some uh, not long ago. This is very, very much like what Paul tells uh, the Colossians in Colossians 2.23 about the foolishness of what he called will worship, the worship of the will, or as the English Standard Version puts it, self-made religion. This was self-made religion on David's part. He worshipped his own will. He presumed that his will uh, would be good enough and God would overlook any details. Well, God did not look over any details. And as a result, Uzzah died. It is a very dangerous thing to take away from God's word and to presume that one's will is superior to the will of God in matters of faith and practice. And so this is a, a, a example in Second um, Samuel 6 that we should pay close attention to in matters of faith and practice. We do not want to go down the road of self-made religion and worship of the will. We just don't want to go there. Now, there's another uh, example that uh, David, how he learned from the example that happened to him in his life, how he learned about the nature of God, the sovereignty of God, and the authority of God. And that is an instance where, uh, unlike this particular time, regarding the cart and the ark in Uzzah, where he uh, took away from God's word. There's another example where he added to God's word. And <clears throat> we want to take a look at that. 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17. 2 Samuel 7, 1 to 17. Now it came to pass when the king was dwelling in his house and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around that the king said to Nathan the prophet See now I dwell in a house of cedar but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains Then Nathan said to the king Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, Would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent 
and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, I have, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded my shepherd, my people Israel, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a great name, like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people uh, Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more, as previously, since the time that I have commanded judges be over my people Israel, and have caused you to rest from all your enemies. Also the Lord tells you that I will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up uh, your seed after you, who will come uh, from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men, but my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so Nathan spoke to David. Disregarding the principle of divine silence. Now, since David did not actually carry this out, uh, there was no punishment for him, but there was definitely a word from the Lord. And <clears throat> sadly, uh, two people here presumed incorrectly regarding building a house for God. Uh, Nathan the prophet, he did not consult God. He just presumptively just told David, hey, hey, this is a great idea. You go ahead. God's with you. But God came to Nathan at night and said, look, um, Here's the word you need to give to David. So he told him what it was, and Nathan gave it to him 100%, right as God had said. And so uh, David relented. He did not attempt to build a house for God right then and right there. And um, this, is, this is an important lesson. Just like uh, we should never add to God's word, uh, we should need not um, neglect it either. Uh, <clears throat> we should not add to it or take away from it. Uh, this would have been an addition to God's word. Had David presumptively moved forward with this idea, uh, that would be adding to God's word. 
but uh, fortunately for him and for us, uh, he did not. He restrained himself. When he heard the word of God from Nathan, he um, relented from his own will and relented from his own opinion and relented from his own feelings and did as God had uh, instructed. And so uh, we have from these two examples why we should never take away or add to God's word presumptively or otherwise, because when we do add to God's word in faith and practice, uh, we're in terrible, terrible territory because we are encroaching on God's territory, his nature, his sovereignty, and his authority. And uh, as we <clears throat> move to a close, um, we want to uh, mention two things. One is, uh, this is a beautiful passage where Nathan relays uh, God's word that came to him in the night vision uh, regarding, um, frankly, you and I. He talks about Jesus Christ and the establishment of the church. And uh, it's very, very uh, interesting to see how he characterizes uh, Christ. And he tells David that he's going to build, uh, uh, he's going to build his own house for his own name. And he's going to uh, build this house uh, with someone from David's seed, that David's house David's throne is going to be established forever. Now, in the mindset of the kings of the Near East and these centuries long ago, nothing was more important to the various kings of the various nations than to have their throne established. Uh, every man wanted the legacy of his nation to be of made up of his own descendants and no one else. And this was uh, something that they were all very, very passionate about and focused upon and would lead these kings to heinous crimes of uh, murder and, and torture and all kinds of terrible things in order to preserve his own family and destroy the families of, of his rivals so that the descendants would be from his family and someone else's uh, family. And uh, so it was when David heard that God told him, look, uh, your throne is going to be established forever. He must have been ecstatically happy. Uh, this is something that's never uh, been known in the history of mankind, that uh, a throneship would be established forever. But yet, this is what God did. And uh, he says, His kingdom will last forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And then it says something unusual. And at, at first glance, we might have an issue with this because we know Jesus Christ led a sinless life. And then it says, If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and will with the blows of the sons of men. Well, what iniquity did Christ uh, commit? None. However, um, uh, we know from Isaiah 
in other places that the sin of the world was cast upon the shoulders of Christ. And he was punished not because of anything he ever did, but because of the sins of you and I that he carried to the cross. So the iniquity he was punished for was not the iniquity of himself, but the iniquity of everyone else. And, and then he says, By my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So I don't know if you ever think in terms of this, but uh, you and I, being part of the Lord's church, are part of the promise God made to David in the long ago. The kingdom that God established from the seed of David is the church of Christ. And we must never forget it and always be uh, thankful for it. Now, what was David's uh, response to essentially being chastised by God through Nathan because they both presumptively presumed that God would want David to build him a house? Well, uh, David's response was one of contrition that he vocalized in a prayer, and we want to in today's study with that prayer. It is one of the most powerful prayers in all the Bible, and yet one that we rarely, if ever, study. <clears throat> Beginning with verse 18 in Second Samuel 7. Second Samuel 7, verse 18. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Here's his prayer. Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? And yet this was a small thing in your sight, O Lord God, and you have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come. Is this the manner of man, O Lord God? Now what more can David say to you? For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake, and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make your servant know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, For there is none like you, nor is there any God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people, like Israel, the one nation on the earth whom God went to redeem for himself as a people, to make for himself a name, and to do yourself great and awesome deeds for your land before your people, whom you redeem for yourself from Egypt, the nations, and other gods. For you have made your people Israel your very own people forever, and you, Lord, have become their God. Now, O Lord, 
the word which you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house, establish it forever and do as you have said. So let your name be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is the God over Israel, and let the house of your servant David be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, have revealed this to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found it in his heart to pray this prayer to you. And now, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Now, therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord God, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. Amen. What a wonderful prayer. And thank God David lived a life before God full of uh, difficulty, full of sin, full of mistakes, full of agony and terror and all kinds of terrible things. Yet through it all, uh, David remained a man after God's own heart. He became the standard of all the, the kings of Judah, therefore, afterwards. And through his seed, through his physical seed, the Lord Jesus, the Savior of the world, came and lived among men and died and was raised again and saved us all and established his body, the church, as an eternal legacy to this man, David and to our benefit and our salvation. Thank you all for joining us this morning for this Bible lesson, and we'll return at 1030 with our worship service sermon for this morning. So until 1030, God bless you.